So I'm speaking with composer and conductor Justin Freer, who is also the principal conductor and producer, as well as the co-founder of CineConcerts. Uh, CineConcerts specializes in full-score performances live to picture, and since their launch in 2013, they have put together some amazing events for not just soundtrack fans, but, I mean, movie fans worldwide. And uh, their first concert was Gladiator Live, based off the success. Based off that success, uh, Cine Concerts went to produce concerts with scores performed to picture from classics like The Godfather, Breakfast at Tiffany's, It's a Wonderful Life, the entire Harry Potter franchise. Um, and beyond that, they've also did a fantastic uh, Star, Star Trek, The Ultimate Voyage, uh, to celebrate uh, the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, as well as uh, DreamWorks Animation in concert. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So to start off, I would love to just kind of know more about you and, and kind of your journey to becoming a composer and a conductor. Uh, when did uh, music become a part of your life, and uh, what set you down the path, the composing path? Well, I was quite young when I remember, um, you know, listening to some of my first set of orchestral records. And at, at that time, you know, I was introduced to almost simultaneously a, an album of uh, Gustav Mahler's, a couple of symphonic works that he had written, the third and fifth symphony, you know, there was a recording by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. And then was introduced really at the same time to, um, by request, the best of John Williams and the Boston Pops Orchestra, which is one of the great albums he recorded in the uh, mid-1980s uh, when he was still music director there. And so, you know, instantly transported into what was possible on both sides of the coin, both both kind of concert music as well as film music, which really, they are, they are one and the same. It's just a matter of what, you know, that music is intended for as far as, um, you know, delivery vehicle. That's really the only difference. If you think about opera and ballet and film and even the silent film era, we used to perform live organ or chamber music. Right. Uh, really the only difference is a delivery vehicle. So I was introduced very young and I fell in love with music instantly. I, I knew right away I'd um, find a life in it and, and have done everything I can since that day to try and you know, wake up every morning and, and do something positive with music. And it, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to try and live. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so how did uh, Cine Concerts come to be? What sparked the idea to form a company that would be dedicated uh, just, you know, mainly to film music uh, concerts live to picture? Well, part of my falling in love with music when I was young was uh, in, in, in large part due to many of the great film scores that I was introduced to, you know, whether or not it was you know, King's Row by Korngold or Chinatown by Jared Goldsmith or, you know, The Pink Panther by Henry Mancini or Star Wars by John Williams. Um, I found I found a home in a lot of that music as I did with much of, you know, Shostakovich's stuff and Mahler's music, you know, Strauss. But with film in particular, I've always had a, a, a unique passion for amongst all the other things that I do love. So it was always something for me that, that I felt, I hope when one day we could start to preserve and present many of these scores that I admired as a child growing up and which you know many people around the world also admire and it was about four years ago that that finally kind of came to fruition and with Gladiator you know live um, that became our first endeavor in exploring uh, the potential of this genre there really wasn't all that much going on four years ago which right. is not the case anymore um, you know fast forward four years later to today but it's it's a passion, it really is, and I believe that this is one of the great art forms in our in our music world historically. And I think that you know, as as any great music deserves to be preserved, as does film music, and you know, cherished in a way that people can um, you know admire from a from a patronage standpoint as well. Absolutely. So I mean, putting on these concerts, I mean, it's such a 
huge endeavor. And I think a lot of people don't realize that how much work goes into these. I mean, so when you decide, like, okay, we're going to, like, when you decided on, on Gladiator kind of to, to start working on that, what kind of goes into the preliminary uh, aspect of starting to, to do that? Do you have to secure the rights to the music first? I mean, how do you adapt it to to a live performance, you know, versus what we heard in the film? I mean, are those kind of things that really take up most of your time in those, like, early, early days of it? I think the first and most important thing, at least in my opinion and for me personally, is um, falling in love with what you're going to need to do. And you don't do that without loving the score first and the film first, at least in my case. You know, I have to really enjoy the picture, um, find that the music moves me emotionally because without that, it, you know, it's, you can't communicate what you don't feel when you're on the podium you know, working with 85, 90 other musicians. So from the very beginning, for me, that's a very, very important piece of the puzzle. And beyond that, you know, the first conversations are, of course, with the film studios. And um, depending on the film, the, you know, the case of The Godfather, the, the music was either very well intact or in non-existent. Um, in the case of Gladiator, you know, a great deal of uh, percussion and voice restoration was needed as far as notation because, um, you know, none of it was ever written down. Right. Yeah, at least those voices it, were kind of all Im improvised. <laughs> they were. They were. And she's so brilliant. She does an amazing uh, thing with her career and her what she's known for and what she's so brilliant at is something that was uh, perfect for that film. But in, in that particular case, there was no written down music. So we had to transcribe a great deal and so there's that part of it too the restorative effort is is uh can be anything from you know substantial to um very substantial there's not really anything uh less you know and so it's so at any rate you know we, we've got the studios of course to collaborate with in the beginning and as that relationship blossoms uh so does building out the film and the music score and uh creating the format necessary to bring it to music halls worldwide in a way that musicians can read audiences can understand and of course the technology is part of it as well so we have a lot of things that come together to synchronize all this music to picture yeah that's another like how what's the secret to stay staying in sync with the picture i mean to make sure the the timing is on point because you're focused on you know you're, you're you're with the orchestra you're conducting and you're focused on them but i mean are you also is there like a monitor is there some sort of way that you guys are able to stay in sync and perfectly every time well there's a number of ways to do it and uh, the way that it's generally done in the recording sessions, you know, for, for the actual films, you know, that, that we, we take out in concert format, but, you know, when they're being recorded before the movie comes out, normally is with a click track, which is to say, you know, an, an audible sound in your ear, in your earpiece, you know, giving you the tempo or the tempi throughout that movement or movements that you're recording. That's certainly one way to do it. Um, I shy away from that on the concert stage because I don't feel it's as organic as it can be without it. So... We generally pr produce and present our projects with um, just streamers and punches. So I have my, my conductor video in front of me. And on that screen will just be a series of, you know, white flashes that we call punches and streamers, you know, these vertical lines that move from left to right horizontally to help me, um, you know, have a guide to where the big, big moments are, big tempo changes, you know, what the tempos uh, should be across the entire, the entire concert. So... With that, we we synchronize together as an orchestra and as a as an entity on stage, and um, it's it, it is quite challenging, you know, a two and a half three hour movie, um, 
keeping everything together and it's almost a minor miracle that we're to, you know we're together at the right place at the end of the film but it's good fun i know because you're picking some long movies there gladiator and harry potter's a two and a half hour <laughs> yeah, <movies. they're, laughs> there's some longer ones that's true yeah i know yeah godfather i mean it's so impressive uh, how you guys pull that all together um so i mean what happens if, for instance i know a lot of scores uh uh well not uh, usually a composer might use electronics or uh, synthesizer when when it comes to translating those kind of uh, things to the orchestra is that a lot of uh, work to kind of replicate to make it as authentic as it was as we heard in the film well it depends on the situation you know I think that if we're talking about synthetic sound for the for the sake of synthetic sound you know mm -hmm. as a complement to the orchestra as an added color and added timbre then yes, we try and replicate that as closely as possible. Um, we generally steer steer you know away and steer clear of of projects that we know were you, you know made with synthesizer because there wasn't an orchestra available. Right, um, right. Because you know people have been accustomed to some of those sounds. You know, they, they're used to those synthetic sounds. But so when when I think of the great composers that that mastered that, you know, beyond of course what John Williams is doing in Harry Potter. One of the first that comes to mind is Jerry Goldsmith. Um, he was, you know, avant-garde in every way, shape, and form. In addition to very being, being very traditional, he needed to be right. um, by by using synthesizer to complement these 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 or giant orchestras that he record with. So, in the case of Harry Potter, um, you know, the most famous sound I think that comes from the synthesizer is, in fact, the music played for Hedwig's theme uh, on. The celeste that uh, John Williams actually had, Randy Kerber, who's a wonderful pianist in yes, Los Angeles, yes, yeah. you know, designed that sound from scratch, and it was intentionally made to be synthetic, to be more reverberant, to have this magical quality that the acoustical celeste didn't quite capture in the way that he had envisioned. Um, so that is a, a primary example of where we absolutely try and replicate that sound. It's what fans know. It makes this, the film work in a certain number of ways, and. And in the case of Gladiator, um, you know, of course, we try and uh, keep as, as uh, authentic as we can to the sounds of Hans and Lisa. And in The Godfather, it's a very different thing, where it's very traditional. You know, it's, it's Italian traditional. It's, um, it's very uh, neoclassical in some ways. So in that way, we don't have any synthesizer at all. Right. Absolutely. Um, so just kind of thinking about uh, live concerts in general, um, and you mentioned just, you know, a few years ago, this wasn't the case, but now we're seeing this sudden surge in live music performances and, and big thanks part to your cine concerts but i mean we see david newman going on tour with and john williams of course performs every year at the bull and star trek is you know live to picture and what do you attribute all this kind of a sudden surge and in interest uh, in this all of a sudden why now i guess if, if from your from your standpoint yeah why now is actually i think a very very good question because for so many decades this uh, we can almost call it a sleeping giant of literature that we've had in our archives, um, in literally and you know, figuratively collecting dust yeah. <laughs> in the archives of movie studios, um, has been waiting to just be preserved and waiting to be presented in this way. And I think that the primary reason, at least I, I, I want to believe, that the primary reason is because the music is good. It's because it's well written. It's because it does its job and people appreciate it. Um, however, there is a very practical aspect to that, and that is how do we get that in front of audiences? And if the economic model doesn't make sense for orchestras, it doesn't matter how brilliant or not the music is, the economic model must make sense from a business standpoint. And that is the other reason why I think 
these are doing very, very well worldwide. Most are doing well worldwide. And that, you know, you have to be careful of the project that you pick. Right, but right. Um, these have been able to uh, kind of give orchestras an opportunity to, um, you know, kind of absorb this, uh, you know, this this thing that's been missing, and that is this bridge that perhaps the old world kind of classical audiences and the new modern classical audiences, which are dying more and more day by day worldwide. Um, how do we connect these two together? And I, I think that what has been missing since the avant-garde in the 1960s in, in concert music is, one I should say, one of the things missing. Um, this remembering that if we cannot connect emotionally with our audiences, then, you know, what are we doing on stage? And at the end of the day, regardless of whether or not it's, you know, at, the, at its heyday, mid-19th century opera or modern-day film music or the silent film era, or some of the great ballets coming out of Stravinsky's pen, if we do not have audience, we don't have any way of entertaining or you know sustaining music on stage. So this is what I, one of the biggest reasons I think that this genre is blossoming and it is evolving very quickly because orchestras are realizing it's bringing in a lot of new blood, fresh faces, fresh ears, and ultimately people that come back for their concert seasons as a result. So it's great. Absolutely. And uh, where do you see, I guess, film music and concert music in pop culture and mainstream? Do you see it more penetrating that kind of, I mean, I don't, it's never going to get to, you know, Lady Gaga status, I don't think. But like, uh, do you see it becoming more part of mainstream than it has in the past? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, look, I think more people know the main theme to Star Wars than they could tell you the big hits of Lady Gaga. I think if you asked age ranges of 10 to 75 year olds, you'd probably find more people that knows Jaws or knows Star Wars or knows Star Trek. So I think there really, there, there very much is a pulp aspect to film music and it's because of film, you know, what right. film is to our culture worldwide. Um, you know, what's popular now, of course, is very different than what it was in the fifties. I mean, you know, pop music in the fifties was Billie Holiday, Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, and you know, progressive jazz could go on and on and on and on. It's very different now. But I think that what remains is um, a massive appetite for great music, and you know, whether or not we choose to decide that Stravinsky or Lady Gaga or Bruno Mars or John Williams or Mahler is great music, that's up to, I think, a collective society as it pertains to its contextual place in history. Um, but without a doubt, music will be remembered because it's good, and I think there's so many scores that fall into that category, and I think that this will continue to blossom because of that very reason. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, so kind of to wrap things up a little bit, uh, what, would be, what would, I guess, what would be a few of your dream scores that you would love to bring to life in the form of a cine concert event? Something that uh, if, you, if you had no limit on budget, if you could just take anything and just turn it into a concert, what, what, what's your wish list? No limit on budget. Well, I got to tell you, we're already doing some of them, which I'm very happy to say, you know, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone is among that list, as was the Godfather and Breakfast at Tiffany's, you know, everything that we've so far done, I really, I'm so passionate of and I admire what was accomplished in every single, uh, you know, situation, every single example. But stuff that we haven't done, um, I, I would love to um, delve, dive into the, to the library of, of Maurice Jar and, um, you know, what, you know, of course, Lawrence of Arabia, you know, it's oh, yeah. a incredibly long film, you know, Ben-Hur comes to mind, the original Ben-Hur comes to mind, the Ten Commandments comes to mind, you know, you mentioned, you know, no budgetary limitations, so of course my mind goes to the longest possible movies, um, 
but you know, there's there's also some some things on the flip side where the music is very intimate. You know, while there's not that much music, uh, Patton deserves to be celebrated. You know, Islands of the Stream deserves to be celebrated. One of the most beautiful films I think that Frank Schaffner directed. Um, you know, anything from the Congo Library. I mean, you know, anything that was penned by Mancini. And I could go on and on and on. I mean, there's there's so much material that we don't realize as a society that we fell in love with at some point in our life, but we perhaps don't know the reason why. And some of these projects help to uh, perhaps give that answer to people when they come and they realize, wow, I never, you know, even though this is the hundredth time I've seen The Godfather, I never realized how powerful that music was, which actually was the case in San Francisco of a wonderful woman who I met. That was her hundredth viewing in a movie. Wow. And um, she couldn't believe how powerful the music was after seeing it that many times. That's, that's quite incredible. I, I mean, congratulations on all the success that it's, I mean, it's, it's really stream, stream rolling and, 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 I can, and you guys have some shows this year that are going to be fantastic, and uh, I can't wait for that. And, uh, well, Justin, thank you so much for your, for your time today. It's been such a great pleasure to chat with you. Oh, thank you. The pleasure's mine, and I appreciate your time as well, and, and, and I appreciate what you're doing for the craft. You know, keep, keep people in the know with what's happening. It's important, and it's a wonderful art form that deserves the light of day at all times.